I am excited about the word this morning. I'm excited to have an opportunity to be here. Um, we have been in a series called Walk It Out. Um, and basically what we've been talking about is not just being hearers of the word, but being doers as well. There's some uh, scriptures and there's some applications that we read and we know them and we may have known them for a while, but for some reason, for some of us, it seems hard to actually walk it out. And so what this series is, is really about is encouraging us and reminding us to do just that. And so today, I'd like to talk about walking it out in the area of worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would open our ears so that we can hear what you have to say and open our hearts so that we can receive it, God. Focus us today, God. We want to hear from you. God, we don't want to leave this place the same way we walked in. So God, let this, let this seed be sown in our heart. Let it break up any, any fallow ground, God, and let it change us. Thank you for your word. Speak through my vocal cords. Think through my mind, God. All of you, none of me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, worship is something that's very important to us. Worship is something that's important to me as a pastor, but not only that, it's important to us as believers and as individuals and as in the, uh, us as the kingdom of God. We have to walk it out when it talks about our worship, when the Bible speaks about our worship. I believe that in order for us to see real change, in order for us to consistently see the power of God move in our life, we have to constantly be evaluating our worship. We have to understand and be aware of all the different ways in our life that we worship and what it is that we're worshiping. We all worship something. So it's not a matter of, of us knowing how to worship, the problem lies in what we have chosen to worship. Because our lives will continue to be powerless as long as we worship powerless idols. What is an idol? An idol is anything that has taken more time, commitment, and dedication than the Lord in your life. Anything that has taken more time, commitment, and dedication than the Lord in your life. What is worship? Worship, worship means the, worship defines as the honor, the, the love, the time, the commitment, the resource that you willfully give and surrender to your idol. The honor, the, 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 the time, the commitment, and the question that we have to look at then is, what am I worshiping? What am I worshiping? Worship isn't just the songs we sing on, on, on Sunday morning. If you notice, that's, that's not even in the definition at all. But what is it that you've given time to? 
What is it that you're, you've honored and what is it that you've adored? What is it that you've dedicated yourself to? Simply, what has taken first place in your life? What has become your idol? Is it your career? Is it your sports team? Is it your politics? Or perhaps your idol is this, this relationship that you're in and, and you're so dedicated and you're so committed and, and you're so in love. Maybe your relationship has become an idol. Maybe your image. Maybe you're focusing on your physique and, and getting this right and getting that right and your diet and your plan. Your image and the way that you're perceived and the way that you look has become an idol. Maybe your idol is your kids. You're like, no, I, I, I need to make sure that my, my kids are good and my kids are taken care of and, and you're worried about your kids, you're concerned about your kids and everything for your kids and your whole life surrounded by your kids and your kids have become your idol. We have to shift our perspective of what worship is. We have to be aware of what worship is. Worship is something that's sacred. It's something that's set apart and it's, it's holy and it shouldn't be offered to anyone but God. And God was very clear in scripture about how he felt about us worshiping other idols. Luke chapter four, verses six through eight. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this realm and its glory and its power, its renown, because it has been handed over to me. And I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, it will all be yours. Here we are in verse 8. Jesus replied to him, it is written and forever remains written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship is important to God. See, in the scripture, Jesus was quoting uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, but, but that wasn't the only place that God mentioned worshiping in the Bible. Earlier in Exodus, God gave us the Ten Commandments. And guess which was the very first one? Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. God was serious when it came to worship. Why? Why was this, why was this the first thing he said? Why, why was God so, so adamant about this? Because nothing else matters to God more than your worship. That's why you put it first. He knows how important it is. Nothing else matters. And then on the other side, the reason that the devil fights so hard for your worship is because it was his job to lead worship for the Father, but he failed. And he doesn't want you to succeed where he could not. So he does everything that he can to distract your worship. 
because even the enemy understands how powerful your worship is. He understands how powerful your worship is. He knows that breakthrough happens in your worship. He knows that burdens are removed in your worship. He knows that yokes are destroyed in your worship. He knows that addiction is broken in your worship. He knows that lives are changed in your worship. He understands how powerful your worship is. And so he fights for it. He throws all kinds of things at you. He, he does anything he can, anything that he can bring up, anything that he can do to distract you for, from your worship. So how did we get here? How did we get to this place where we began to worship other things? How did we get to this place where our money meant more to us than God? How did we get to this place where our jobs meant more to us than God? How did we get to this place where our schedules meant more to us than God? We got distracted. Simple. We, we got distracted. So much is going on around us in this world. So many things are going on every single day. This past two or three years, it seems like a whirlwind of things that are happening. And the enemy has caused us to lose sight of who God is. And in turn, we lose sight of who we are. The enemy is keeping us distracted. And as we're in this whirlwind, so much is going on that we just grab hold of anything that's going on around us. And then we begin to identify and whatever that is, and we hold on to that, thinking that that will sustain us. Your money will not sustain you. Your job, your career will not sustain you. The perfect relationship will not sustain you. The perfect body will not sustain you. Because please understand, the thing that you choose to worship, that is the thing that you are relying on to get you through the difficult times in life. But it will fail you every single time. The only thing that is powerful enough to do that, the only thing that is strong enough, the only thing that is consistent enough to sustain you through life is the presence of the living God. That is it. That and that alone. So we become distracted. And we come in on a Sunday and we try to push through. We try to worship. We try to engage Heaven and nothing. We're in our cars and we, we turn on some Maverick or some Hill song. We turn on our, our worship music and we try to go in. We, we try to just nothing. Can't pray when you read the word of God. It's, it's not the same. You, you sing the songs. It's, it's not the same. And why? Because what has happened there's a heart disconnection that's taking place. There's a heart disconnection that's taking place. John chapter 4, verse 19 through 24, Jesus addressed this as he's, he's talking to the woman at the well. And uh, uh, 
he begins to, to, to speak with her and he begins to identify who she is. And, and Jesus steps on her toes a little bit and he, he asks her, he says, you know, you bring, bring your husband here. And she says, I don't, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you, you told the truth that time. Because <laughs> the man you're with ain't your husband. And so we meet this conversation in verse 19, and the woman changed the subject. She's a little embarrassed, so she, she changed the subject, and she says, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, verse 20, why do our fathers worship God on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place that we must worship? Who was right? Jesus responded in verse 21. He says, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father, neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. He says uh, to this Samaritan, he says, your, your, your people don't really know the one they worship, but we, the Jews, we worship out of our experience. For it's from the Jews that salvation is available. From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. For God is a spirit. And he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. See, God desires hearts. It's the heart that he's after. He's, he's not just looking for this because this looks good on Sunday when you're in church and everybody else is doing it. This looks good on a worship night when, when you're, you're engaging and, and everybody else is around you. This looks good when life is going great and, and your bills are paid and your job is good and your kids are acting right. This looks great. But he says, I desire sincere worshipers who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Who will worship me when it's, when it's troublesome, when, when life seems to be flip turn upside down when, 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 when you don't know what your next step is, when you can't figure out why your, your kids seem to be acting up, when you can't figure out how you're going to take care of the next thing, when, when sickness is taking a hold of your body and, and you're not. He said, I desire sincere worshipers. When, when, the, when the going gets tough, that, that they're still committed. Uh, uh, people who have me not only in action, but it's in their hearts. Sincere worshipers. See, God isn't going to compete with another idol. God isn't going to compete with another God. He's not just going to push himself to be first in your life. Worship isn't just something we do at an outward sense. It's something that takes place in here. True worship is a way of life that exudes through everything that you do. The way you parent your, your children is, is worship to God. The, the way you speak to people is worship to God. The way you love others is worship to God. The way you give is worship to God. The, the way you, you treat people who aren't nice to you is worship to God. It exudes out of you. True worship is a posture of full surrender. Worship says, God, I surrender all. Remember that song we used to sing? I surrender all. 
Worship says, I'm giving you everything, every part of me, every area of my life, the nooks, the crannies, the good, the bad, my faults, my imperfections, my insecurities. I'm surrendering it all to you, Jesus. I'm surrendering it all. That's what worship says. So in order for us to get to a posture of where we can truly worship God, we have to destroy the things that we have put in this place. We have to destroy those things that we have put in his place. We have to destroy what we've been worshiping that isn't God. We have to destroy it. In the book of Judges, the Israelites... God's chosen people were being oppressed by the Midianites because God had, uh, uh, they had begun to worship Baal. The Lord had already told them, don't worry about the idols in the land that you're in. Don't, don't, just leave them alone. But because of the oppression that they began to face, because of what was going on around them, they began to worship Baal. And then as this was happening, seven years had passed. They, they cried out to God, and, and the angel of the Lord visit, visited Gideon. Judges chapter 6, we, we pick up this conversation in verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O brave man. But Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where is all his wondrous works that the, the fathers told us about when they said, did the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hands of the Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Verse 15, but Gideon said to him, please, Lord, how am I to rescue Israel? Behold, my family is the least significant in Manasseh, and I am the youngest or the smallest in my father's house. See, because the Israelites had focused on what was going on around them, they were distracted and because they were distracted, they lost sight of who God was. They lost sight of who God was, and they lost sight of who they were. And so when the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon, he didn't have any idea who he was. So Gideon then asked for a sign. He asked for a sign to prove that it's the angel of the Lord. He asked for that sign, and, and, and the angel of the Lord is, is, is gracious, and he grants him this sign. And then he realizes in that moment as he receives that sign that this was in fact the angel of the Lord. And so as a result, he builds an altar to worship God. We pick it up in verse 24, Judges chapter 6. And Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands in Aphra, which belongs to the Abyssalites. But there was a problem. There was a problem. 
the same problem that some of us could be facing today. There are now two altars in this city. Two gods that are being worshipped in this city. The altar of Baal that they've been worshipping, and now the altar of the Lord. Two altars, two gods being served. But the Lord addressed this immediately. Verse 25, that night the Lord said to Gideon, take your father's bull, the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that is your father's. Cut it down. Cut down the Asherah, which is the symbol of the goddess Asherah that's beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold with stones laid in proper order. Then take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. See, the Lord told Gideon the same thing I believe that he's saying us today. Destroy what has been taking the place of God in your life. Destroy the idols. Destroy what you have been worshiping so that you can worship me fully. Scripture says you can't serve two masters. You'll love one or you'll hate the other. So he said, destroy that thing that you've been worshiping. So how do we practically do that? How, how do we practically apply that? First, if you don't already know what that idol is, because I believe even as you sit here and you hear this, I believe the Holy Spirit is already beginning to kind of reveal some things to you. Don't move. Nobody knows you. But he's already beginning to reveal some things, right? And tell you and make, make you aware of those things. But if you don't know, ask him. Ask him. God, what are those things that I have put before you? What, what are the things that I've, what have I, I leaned on instead of you? What have I committed myself to instead of you? What have I put my trust in instead of you? And repent of those things. God, I'm sorry. Repent means to turn away, making a decision to turn away. Make a decisive continual choice to find your identity, to find your rest, to find your peace, and to find your trust in God and God alone. Covet, be aware of your time. Be aware of your actions. Be aware of your heart and make sure that God is at the center of it. The way that you destroy your idol is by taking it off the throne of your heart and place God there. You're saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to commit myself more to anything in my life than God. Irregardless of my schedule, 
irregardless of the things that are going on around me, irregardless of the people, irregardless of any of that, I'm committing to make God as first priority in my life. And so I, I, I have to be conscious. I have to be aware. I have to look at my schedule. I have to look at how I'm perceiving. I have to look at what I'm committed to. And I have to sacrifice it. I said, God, no, I care more about you. God, no, I'm, I'm, you know what? Instead of doing this, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. Instead of running here and running there, I'm, I'm going to cancel some things out. I'm going to cut some things off. And I'm going to spend some time in the Lord. Because we desire to see God move in our lives. We desire for the presence of God to be evident in our lives. Some of us walk in here and you're heavy. I feel it. I feel it. Even when I walk up to you and I say, how you're doing? And you say, oh, I'm good. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. The spirit knows we're heavy. We're, we're, we've, we've become heavy because there's so many things that we're trying to balance, that we're trying to hold together, that we're, we're trying to do. And God says, no, just commit yourself to me. Seek me in all your ways. Acknowledge me, recognize me, and I will direct your path. Because when we allow anything else to direct our path, now we've made that thing God. Now we've depended on that thing, we've trusted in that thing, and it will fail us. God desires us to worship him and him alone. And when we do that, just like Gideon, if you get a chance to, to read Judges, just like Gideon and the, Israel, the children of Israel, the Israelites, we will begin to see victory. Once this happened, Gideon just started just smacking people around. Because he began to see victory. And we will begin to see victory in our lives like never before. You're asking, how can I begin to see this victory? How can I, I just see, it's, it's like I keep trying to get there and I can't seem to get there. Check your heart. We have to make a decision. Are we going to continue to let powerless idols take the place of God in our life? Or will we destroy the idols and put the living God in his rightful place? We have to make a decision today to not only worship God with our lips, but honor him with our heart and be sincere worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. Today, our moment of action is right now. I want to take some time during our worship. I don't want you to go away and think about it in the car. I don't want you to, to, to think about it when you get home. We're going to do this right here, right now. I believe that's what the gathering is all about, to hear and to respond. And so this is our response today. Let's take a second and pray. I ended early. I cut the message early. 
so that we can do this because I believe this is important. Let's take some time and pray. Take some time to evaluate our heart. Some of us have already begun to do it. Seek God concerning those things. Make a decision to place God as number one. Tear down those idols in your heart. And let God be God. Let God be God in your life. Because it matters. Take some time and pray. Take some time. So PJ and Jessica, they're going to lead us. But as they're singing, pray. As they're singing, do the homework. And then as you begin to worship, you will notice how free you become. Because now a heart connection has been made. A heart connection has been made. And now you can engage the presence of the living God. And God can receive your worship. Because now you win. Now you're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Let's stand. Heavenly.